As humans, we don't live in nature, or even with nature. We are nature. You see, reality looks like this, but our world is built like this. Put simply, humans don't appreciate nature or our place within it. I believe this to be demonstrably true. Until very recently, serious environmentalism was basically a fringe movement, and to a degree it still is. This model is no accident. It's a recent development that humans have very intentionally created. So how did we get here, and how can we break away from this thinking? Perhaps more to the point, we should look at what actually happens when we, well, touch grass. Because as it turns out, nature has been clinically proven again and again to be an antidote for a lot of the problems we face today. Meanwhile, attempting to dominate nature like we do is kind of the cause of those problems. Now, I know that's a lot, so let's start at the beginning. In the Baltic Sea, overfishing has eliminated many of the animals that eat jellyfish, so there's now a bloom of jellyfish populations. 2013, swarms of these jellyfish clogged the pipes of a Swedish nuclear power plant, forcing it to temporarily shut down. The solution was to invent a fleet of killer robots that chopped these jellyfish into smithereens, also known as Jellyfish Elimination Robotic Swarms, or GIROs. This is a shining example of something called anthropocentrism. Anthropocentrism, often known as human supremacy, is the belief that humans are greater than all other forms of life on Earth. This belief dictates that non-human beings are just means to human ends. The anthropocentric view says that people are the rulers of Earth and we should just manipulate nature for our own benefit. This concept gets really big really quickly. You can use it as a launch pad into discussions about social dynamics, vegetarianism, human rights, and a whole lot more. But you're going to, for this video, keep things focused on humans and nature. Anthropocentrism is not some pejorative term that has been dubbed onto humanity recently. It is an established ethical system that has been the basis of human environmental policy for quite some time. In fact, it's the prevailing idea around which our modern world is built. Nature is regularly modified, rearranged, or just destroyed in human interests, and to oppose this practice is generally seen as a fringe viewpoint. The natural world is applauded and accepted insofar as it doesn't inconvenience humanity. Should nature get in our way, it's our ethical right to manipulate the world to suit our needs. That is anthropocentrism. You don't really have to go back too far to find cultures that approach nature very differently. Although a prevailing ideology today, human supremacy is not a default condition. It came from somewhere. Many people say that human supremacy originated with Christianity. The Old Testament specifically says that man has dominion over nature. But in reality, humans have been modifying Earth since before the Bible was even written. Ancient Egyptians redirected floodwaters from the Nile. Ancient Romans clear-cut forests to build their ships, forever changing local ecologies. The ethics of these processes are certainly debatable, but the consequences for humans were pretty negligible. However, with the Industrial Revolution and the advent of modern technologies, we can now manipulate nature in ways entirely unimaginable to early people. Some argue that this is a good thing. They say that we should just make the environment as suitable as possible for humans. From there, people will realize that environmental problems could hurt humanity and so we'll do something about them. The idea of maintaining the environment solely because it's beneficial to humans is selfish and cynical. But most of all, it's entirely unaffected. If this was going to work, 
it would have worked by now. People have known about environmental issues for decades. Private planes still fly, corporations still drill for oil, etc, etc. The results of modern anthropocentrism have been disastrous. Today, this ideology is not just problematic in the abstract or in ethical debates. It is the root cause actively destroying our planet. Anthropocentrism is, in essence, hubris, arrogance. This arrogance has become such a core part of our society that nature has been rebranded to resources. Now it's just stuff. And it's a lot easier to destroy stuff than to destroy a diverse, living, breathing collection of life. Perhaps if we did not consider nature as beneath humans, we would have a harder time destroying it. At the very least, we could enter a symbiotic relationship with the natural world rather than an instrumental one where we just use non-human life to suit our own needs. The instrumental state of nature within anthropocentrism puts humans over here and nature over there. This distance basically others nature into something to be feared, and generally speaking, when humans fear things, we destroy them. Take, for example, the shark. Sharks pose no significant statistical danger to humans. Yet, we fear them because they are monsters who eat humans, and we are humans. So every year, we massacre sharks by the millions. Because we live in an anthropocentric world, being concerned about this is basically a fringe cause. When we place ourselves above nature, it becomes easy to engage in manifest destiny. This idea that humanity should just expand indefinitely. You see, limitations on human expansion can come from two places. A respect for other non-human life, or external resistance preventing us from expanding. Anthropocentrism obviously eliminates the former. Humanity has demonstrated little more than negligible respect for the planet Earth. As for the latter, the advent of technology has destroyed any external limits to our expansion. Nothing can get in our way, not rivers, oceans, mountains, or forests. And why wouldn't we destroy them if we believe ourselves to be the most important species on Earth? Anthropocentrism means it's absolutely fine to eliminate hordes of plants and animals as long as this destruction causes no existential threat to the most important species, ourselves. And until pretty recently, it hasn't. But now, a new dawn is here. Anthropocentrism, human supremacy, is backfiring on all of us. For centuries, we've been making our bed, and now we're getting to lie in it. Our approach to today's environmental catastrophes has been bizarrely anthropocentric. We harness the power of technology to fix environmental problems, which, by the way, we created. Everything is a jellyfish we can chop into smithereens. In doing this, we put attention on man's incredible ability to further manipulate the natural world. Look, we have electric cars and solar panels and windmills. These technological advancements are seen as amazing feats of engineering. We pat ourselves on the back and further our make-believe position as the dominant species. Meanwhile, ignoring that each of these solutions seem to create their own problems. By treating environmental crises as separate, disconnected issues, we're just lying to ourselves. Because in reality, all of these problems are coming from the same place, and they have the same fix, but that's never even addressed. Certainly there's been no discussion of simply slowing down, of reevaluating how we see the natural world, scaling back instead of scaling up. A lot of this talk has been pretty doomerish, I'm aware of that. But I do feel optimistic. On both societal and individual levels, there's a clear path forward, away from our anthropocentric 
worldview. You see, the human superiority complex is incredibly simple to dismantle. Even on the most foundational level, anthropocentrism just doesn't really make sense. The idea says that we should use the planet as basically a resource to serve humans, but this is just not how things work. By treating the planet like a bucket of toys, we are not serving humanity at all. We are destroying humanity. Humans need these so-called resources to survive. Without trees, we can't breathe. Without a healthy ocean, our planet becomes uninhabitable. And if people look at the Bible for the belief that humans have dominion over all living things, well, that's easy enough to refute. According to Christian belief, we would all be God's creatures. The importance should be on this God with all living things being equal as his creation. Anthropocentrism further reveals itself to be nonsense when we consider that it hasn't applied evenly to all humans. Human supremacist ideas have instead put some humans at the top, while others are arbitrarily considered lesser than. Indigenous people the world over have generally been seen as subhumans or savages to some fictional, bizarre notion of proper humans. And much in the same way we colonized these people, anthropocentrism has just recently colonized our minds. There's nothing natural or inherent about this belief system. Ecocentrism is the precise opposite of anthropocentrism. This approach says that humans are not the sole species with intrinsic value, and neither is our value any greater than that of other creatures. Ecocentrism puts the ecosystem as our point of focus, positing that all living things have to exist in harmony rather than hierarchy. And indeed, there are people we can look to who have provided a roadmap for a more ecocentric society. For example, First Nations Australians have a storied history of living in unity with nature. Instead of relying on tropes of people overcoming nature or surviving hostile land, these people recognized the patterns of the natural world and modeled their lives after them. They didn't attempt any mastery over nature. Instead, they showed restraint. In the summer, the desert is too hot. So they didn't go there. They just found other things to do. The lives of First Nations Australians moved and flowed with nature. I understand that this feels unrealistically utopian. Humanity will not return to this ecocentric philosophy tomorrow or the next day. I or you alone can't really change humanity's relationship with nature on a macro level. But you can change your relationship with nature. And the science says time and time again that nature makes you happy. Science says nature is good for humans. This is a universal truth. It's very simple. Hundreds of studies have proven that being in nature is linked to decreased stress, better mood, increased empathy, and so much more. Being in nature makes us happy. And today, it's starting to look like nature makes us happy in a way we desperately need. Nature can be an antidote to one of our biggest modern problems, attention spans. I have a whole video about attention spans. If you're interested, check it out here. Attention restoration theory, or art, is an idea that says our modern mental fatigue comes from an inability to direct our attention in any meaningful way. Basically, there's so much stimuli, we're all burnt out. According to art, natural environments provide the exact opposite of this. They're still quiet and rarely feature anything that demands attention. Clouds in the sky, 
leaves in the breeze or water in a stream. These things are beautiful, but they do not require immediate attention. Instead, we are free to effortlessly admire them at our own pace. Again, the polar opposite of more contemporary man-made stimuli. This experience basically serves as a reset button. Nature lifts the burdens of the modern world off our shoulders. As we sit and look at these natural landscapes, our mind reverts to a default mode. Our brains can wander as they please, relaxing the incessant need for intense concentration that modern life demands. Repeating this process could meaningfully reset our capacity to pay attention to things. You see, ultimately, human supremacy is a delusion. No matter how hard we try, nature will win every time. We are part of the natural world, so when we destroy our planet, we only destroy ourselves. We make our planet inhospitable to us, and then we sit around fantasizing about colonizing Mars. So what if we colonize Mars, then what? Imagine we'll see a very similar future to what we are experiencing now. Humanity declaring itself to be the dominant species on Mars will destroy that planet too. Meanwhile, life on Earth will, quite ironically, thrive in time once again.